think we should just start every show with an analysis of whether or not the intro music was at the right volume. I feel like that's <laughs> we've done that about three or four times in a row now. That's how we started it, was analyzing it? I think we had, like, the last three or four episodes, we've talked about, like, the volume. Oh, I don't listen to our show. No, no, no. I mean, you and I, <laughs> like, literally, that, that's the first thing we talked about on the show, I know. is how loud that was. Yeah. Anyway. Well, John? How you been? Not bad. Yeah? Did you yeah. Uh, did you enjoy, your, uh, enjoy your remote Dreamforce experience? Yeah, let's, let's get into that. Okay. I think my feedback is going to be quicker than your feedback. Okay. Because my feedback is, I ignored Dreamforce. You ignored it? Didn't, Completely. Yeah. 100% well, is it because ignored. Did you intend to ignore it? I did not intend to okay. ignore it. Okay. So I was planning my day out. I had stuff to do because I was here working. I wasn't on vacation like you were, just hanging out in San Francisco. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's what everyone who's, who's remote from Dreamforce thinks of the people who went to Dreamforce. They're like, oh, they get to go and have fun and run around. But having been to Dreamforce five times, I know it's not that fun. Yeah. But, uh. Anyways, back on track. Um, I intended to, and I, I, I uh, put on my calendar all the times that the event was supposed to be what I thought was streamed. And I noticed the times were late, and I thought, okay, well, maybe they're just offsetting everything so that like other time zones can see it live and everything. And then I noticed on Slack, you were chiming in on stuff, and people were talking about stuff on Twitter, and I'm like, what's going on? And then I saw like this PR announcement from Salesforce about G- Genie. And I was like, whoa, they shot, they shot that early, didn't they? And Benioff was tweeting. I was like, man, well, they shot that announcement early. And it turns out, no, the keynote was happening, but it wasn't being streamed to everyone else until later. And that just really pissed me off. I'm like, and I'll, I'll walk that back. But that's my emotion at the time yeah. was, what the hell? And so at that point, I was like, I'm just going to work. And I'm not going to waste my evening time on this damn conference um, especially when, when I saw already saw the announcements and everyone's their crap. And again, I'll walk that back. This is my emotions. Yeah. <laughs> their crap. And no one, no, and they apparently weren't informative enough because everyone was still asking, even after the event, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Oh, Genie. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of my reaction. That was my day, my Dreamforce day of me planning to be engaged, planning to set up my system to record the keynote and just kind of live chat, live chat back and forth with the people who were there and people everywhere and just kind of have a good time um, for that hour or so. But that never materialized and I was, I was done. Yeah, that was, I guess, a, a bummer. Um, and I still, do we know why they time delayed that so much? I have no idea. Yeah. I came up with a theory, but it, it's kind of fascistus. Fascistus? Fajesus? <laughs> <laughs> I can't use who's, it, who's it for? It's for Jesus. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so how that I got John. They got I made John laugh. <laughs> no one did. <laughs> Facetious. Uh, I was going to say it's to save the planet, Jeremy. Because yeah. if they live stream, you know how much resources and trees they would have to plant if to they, live stream, as, as opposed to just recording it, editing it down, and broadcasting it later. I don't see why that would cost a lot of resources. Oh, it would. Really? You're talking about real time compression, yeah. real time compression, and, and broadcasting, and and all the locations and everything. When if you record it ahead of time and broadcast it, you just chunk it onto a CDN somewhere, let that take its sweet little time. Yeah, and now you're just streaming from that. Okay, so yeah, it's to say the. How does it compare to flying sixty thousand people from all over the world to one place? Oh, that's fake news. It was like 40, 30, 40, oh, I okay. think the numbers were. Oh, 
Where'd you see those? I don't know. I heard rumors. I heard what were supposedly rumors that it was capped at either thirty or forty thousand people. Well, we already we also have twelve million developers now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag well, Salesforce math. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the genie thing. Well, that was... Did anyone figure out what that is? <laughs> uh, someone explained to me that it was like a marketing cloud tool. That that's really yeah. all it was. I think... I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was told that if you went and talked to the, the product managers that they were giving actually pretty good descriptions of what it is. It's, you know, I don't think they ever intend to actually describe... To, when when you go to a, one of these big keynotes, the intention is not for people to walk away being informed. It's to create buzz, questions, stuff for the press to talk about, stuff for everyone to go around talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't really understand what it was because all it was was this is amazing. It's a magical time. You know, it was just yeah. <laughs> and and so we're left with more questions than answers, which is maybe exactly what they wanted. Yeah, doesn't that make sense? For and that's that's okay. part of me walking back some of the emotions that I was talking about. Is yeah, I mean, the expectations of these keynotes are probably a little bit too high, and even the expectations of the conference in general is probably too high. Um, but I think, and I was willing to give Salesforce a pass on that. Like I talked myself down after the emotional outburst I had—not emotional outburst, but my emotions <laughs> of not being able to live stream the damn keynote with everybody. Um, and I tried to rationalize that. Well, you know, it's. It's not that big a deal. It's a it's a sales conference. It's not really geared towards me. It's geared towards people who are buying and selling and yeah. are trying to gauge interest in the if we're not they're going to implement the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I I also realized after the fact, probably a couple of days after that, that well, no, screw it. Salesforce did this to themselves. They're the ones that set the expectations. They're the ones that that said. We have a great community. You guys are important to us. You guys are the reasons that are, are, are why we're growing. But as of late, they've turned into big Oracle, and they've started caring less and less, seemingly to me and others that I've seen mm-hmm. tweeting about this, caring less about the community and what they can get out of these conferences. Yeah. Um, but there's also the fact that they've split this conference into multiple things. It used to be the only conference, but now we have several other conferences where the community is p- probably far more front and center than say dreamforce which is primarily a sales conference now you're referring to the um the tdx's the world uh okay, okay. the world so, dreamforce i didn't know if you're talking about do. the salesforce run events or the the community run events. the salesforce run okay. events yeah. yeah 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 i you know it's funny i mean I've, there were several people you know I, I heard were like oh you know i, I really wish i could have gone to dreamforce or i want to go next year and then i'm like actually you probably want to go to tdx yeah because Dreamforce, I forget who said this a while back, several years ago, but it's like, it's, and you know, it's 50,000 salespeople selling to 50,000 other salespeople. It's, just, it's, yeah. And, and oddly though, I say that, but, um, I had a really hard time getting into, you know, because this, I, there was a few sessions I, you know, each day that I kind of identified as I might want to go to. And, uh, I had a real hard time getting into them. You know, they're more technical sessions as well. So, I mean, it's not just salespeople. Um, and in fact, that was, I mean, there was one day, I think I had three sessions identified at Moscone West and did not, could not even, couldn't get into any of them. And one of them was like one of these theaters, which is kind of like the open air, like they just kind of carve out a space, put a stage there. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, I couldn't even get close enough to, to hear anything. Uh, it was just so overcrowded and overflowed, I guess. So that's, that was a 
kind That's of a bummer. That was a bummer. I mean, you know, and if I were someone who I was really going to Dreamforce to try to, you know, learn as much of I, as I could and absorb every, you know, I would have been, I would have been very disappointed. Luckily, I was, you know, there just to kind of be there. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how they solve this problem because I think. I think Dreamforce as a conference needs to have sessions like that for for potential customers or customers that are, you know, pretty much managing their own implementation. But I think there's a larger aspect of the community out there, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, I what or let me ask this of you: What percentage do you think of the uh, people managing Salesforce ecosystem are customers versus some kind of partner or consultancy? What do you think that's so customers, is? you know, would you include like prospects, customers and prospects versus just a general number? Like, do you think it's like an 80, 20, like 20% of customers manage their own implementation oh, or oh. do you think they outsource that? Their implementation. Yeah. I've also actually, I, I kind of don't buy the premise of the question. Like there's each organization just has, I don't know, an implementation. I don't know if you think that way. What do you mean? That they don't have a implementation? Yeah. Or that it's just, or that implementation implementation is like just this this nice clean unit of something and that's how people work and they only have one of them and whatever uh, oh no that's not my question okay. my question is more just i guess what what i'm trying to get to the to the point is if dreamforce is a very sales centric uh conference or has become that mm-hmm. or maybe they're transitioning to that what is the reason to have sessions like that those technical sessions why not just have a bunch of sales pitches out there well they have that too <laughs> and, <a lot> of those. <laughs> uh, and i guess what i was going to say is well i guess maybe the argument could be made that for, for prospective customers or customers who have a new implementation and are sending their their admin or their new developers or their developers who work on a different product but are now going to be working on salesforce and they sent them to this conference to learn some stuff mm-hmm. that would be the reason to have those type of of um sessions sessions yeah but we also have to be conscious of the fact that Salesforce has built up this very cultish community that flocked to this conference out of because this is their Disney World. It's no, it's their it's their revival. Yeah, right. It's yeah, a, I, I guess I, I took that to a weird place. No, no, you're, I mean, I, get, I was trying to describe the the enthusiasts, those of us that have been doing this for ten something years. What reason is there for us to go to Dreamforce anymore? It used to be the conference and the only conference, and we all went there. And now I'm trying to pose the question: Is is there a reason for us that have been around for ten or so years to be going to Dreamforce anymore? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair question, and, and it's kind of just what we've been talking about. But I think for a lot of us, it, it doesn't make sense because. I mean, Dreamforce is still trying to be the everything to everyone conference, and it it just you could argue it's like you know kind of the jack of all trades failure. It's try to do too many things. You're not going to be great at any one of them. Um, and and I I think Salesforce I think Dreamforce is more successful in some areas than others. But I think for people like us who are um we work in this, we're not. I mean not just selling or we're not just, you know, some you know chief of sales or marketing somewhere. We're actually building stuff on this platform and doing mm-hmm. this day in and day out. I, I don't, I think that the trailhead trailblazer trailblazer DX conference is a much better conference. I mean, that's like our people who are like, we're interested in like, Oh, I'm going to go to like these conferences. Like definitely going to steer you to trailblazer DX. Is that what it's called? Trailblazer DX now? I think so. Instead of Dreamforce. I don't think Dreamforce is a good experience for, the kind of people we're talking about. 
Do you, does that make sense? I mean, I feel like that's something that, I mean, I, and that I don't, sense. that seems to be a pretty commonly accepted view nowadays. I think so. Although I have like a thing about TDX because it, it started out as something that I was enthusiastic about and ended up becoming something different. It's still, I, I know what you're saying. It's not, it's, it got super, it was originally developer conference and now it's, you know, you have to you have to expand your definition of what a developer is. Correct. And I and I'm not being fajesus about that. Actually, <laughs> um, I really do. I mean, the, the lines between what's a developer and what's not or whatever are so blurred now. And I and I'm not um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just think that's where we're at. It's you know if you say you're a developer on this platform, that can just mean so many things. And, and just because, you know, you're not pushing angle brackets or curly brackets all day, doesn't really mean you're not developing things for this platform. I mean, and there's, there's, it's gray areas in between. Like you might have people who are just, just great with data and really good analysts. And they understand flow and business process really well. And I don't mean like Salesforce flow product, but in addition to that, like say they're really good at flow, right? They're mm-hmm. really good at that. Um, and they kind of dabbled in triggers and a little bit of apex and whatever. I mean, that that's absolutely a developer in my mind in, in this, in this space. Yeah. And I've, I've come around to that idea too. I think what still bothers me is that in these conferences, and I, I guess the reason I was happy about having a very developer focused coder focused, if I have to, segment the Mm -hmm. two is that in all of dreamforce and of everything else salesforce has been selling their low code tools and they they've kind of been uh whether intentionally or not sliding the developer community in in saying you're not important you're not needed we have all these tools we don't need you no do you and so i feel like whenever we had that conference it felt like okay salesforce does does realize the importance of developing on the platform and those of us that are building stuff on the platform and they've created this this segmented conference so that we can get some attention we can get we can get in we can get into conf or sessions and things that talk to the things that we want to hear about but what has to be what has become by merging the two the admin centric stuff and everything which i agree should be together but what's happened is you've seen these keynotes center around low code tools and how you don't need to be developer and how you don't have to write unit tests and how fast it is and not talking about the architectural disciplines, data integrity disciplines, anything that involves really building something, regardless of what tool you're using. It's just, look how fast you can do it. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm so used to that. We've been dealing with this for so long now. I really feel like, uh, so part of that is just Salesforce's positioning. They are positioning themselves as, you know, this enterprise application platform that can be highly customized mm-hmm. by your business people. You don't have to go hire software engineers to customize this platform to a pretty high degree. Okay. That is just a critically important part of their positioning and their marketing. Right. And that's not going to change. I think, I think when it, more practically, where I get a little frustrated is it seems like the actual investment they're making in developer experience, developer tooling versus all the admin stuff is a little disappointing. 
the actual investment where I see them actually putting their money. And, and of course I don't see their accounting. I mean, that Mm -hmm. detail, I don't know, but all I can look at is where I see progress being made and how much progress is being made in different areas and the amount and the, the rate of progress on the actual developer tools. While there has been great progress and there are, again, I always have to say this because we know a lot of them. There are very smart people working very hard to make this a better platform for developers. There has been a lot of progress, but I want to see, I'm sorry, I want to see more progress. I want to see Apex get a lot better. Um, I know we finally, we finally have generics on the, on the roadmap now for I think summer. It's like a year out. Yeah, it was on the, I was paying attention. Yeah. The generics um, would be huge because I, there's just so many things that you could do with generics that would just make developing so much yeah. easier. But again, this is something that, you know, I asked for t- 10 years ago and it's just, it shouldn't, it sh- this is my, this is really the crux. It shouldn't take this long. Apex needs to be a much better language. And I, I don't, and I know I, I'm just not in a position to be able to appreciate how, you know, what's involved in adding these features to their kind of platform, but it just, it needs a lot more things a lot faster <laughs> than, than what we've gotten. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, packaging is still just way too difficult. Deployment is just still way too difficult. And I know they're, again, know they're working on these things. It's just taken way too long to start to see any progress. Whereas you look on the admin side of things, you can tell that's where Salesforce is putting their money and that's where they're most serious. And that is the disappointing part to me. Yeah. And I I think I'm of the same opinion. That's exactly what I see is, is whenever they have these conferences and they talk about, their new fe- their new features and what their focus is and and everything it's it's all about the low code tools it has it's rare that you'll get a mention in, in a keynote about something that's very de- developer centric and 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 to cut it to worse cut it to worse what is wrong with my words these days <laughs> to make it worse <laughs> is that some of those conferences like these developer keynotes where they talk about low code tools they hand it over to Heroku and Heroku talks about their pipelines and crap and I'm like ah oh. Well, that's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me some of that in the, in the apex. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's, I feel like this is just a recurring theme, you know, something we're stuck on here. You got to have hope though. I know. Cause if not, it's, it's if not, it's, then what's, what, what am I doing this, for a career? This life is too hard to live without, <laughs> without hope. You know, I have yeah. to, I have to have hope or it's just too sad. I can't deal with it. Yeah, talk about depression. Is it it false hope? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I do get somewhat depressed about my life choices when it comes to this platform. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! It's not a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing on the outside, but crying on the inside. (laughs) 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 You know, when I spend a couple of hours to, to do a build or or even like an entire day to, to spin up a scratch org. Um, you know, it's just, it's yeah, not fun. The, the slow, the slow scratch org. That was like a day. was like a couple days. That was a week. Okay. And a week that I just so happened to be trying to get a release put together. I think the more disturbing thing is about that one was, was that that's a regular thing that happens every release. And they just, it's like, just, just expect it for the week after a, a, a preview is made available. Just, plan on not getting any work done every quarter i, I don't know if I, that's not i feel like we i feel like we can do better <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean 
if you if you take all of the little things, all the things like you just said, oh well, that's just like one day of a quarter or something, and like yeah, if you rationalize like that, it's not a big deal. But we're talking about a thousand little cuts here. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're talking about just the entire developer experience of of a thousand little cuts here and there that add up to this point of frustration to where the you, you've been dealing with all this stuff and all of a sudden you can't do a release for two hours and it just breaks you emotionally. You're just like, I'm done. What the hell am I doing here? Yep. Yeah. I mean, how long does it take you to do a build in your fancy little Kotlin Tomcat world? Tomcat. I don't use Tomcat very what do you often. Use? But... What do you use for? What it, no. Um, what am I think? Camel. Camel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it depends. Well, first of all, I have incremental builds. So, Oh my God. Usually, Usually about three seconds, if that. But um, yeah, no, I just I build like two or three times an hour. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it has a full build, full unit test execution as I type. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, and that's I don't know. That that's just that part. And, you know, that's what I mean when I'm talking about you know things. Things need to get better and and at a faster at a faster pace. Because we're all, I mean, and it really, you know, we're kind of all on the same team here. Like, we're all out trying to bring big, better value to this ecosystem. Whether you work for Salesforce, whether you work for a consulting partner, whether you just work for a big Salesforce customer, we're all in different ways trying to bring value, create value in on this platform, in this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we kind of all want the same things. It's just that, you know, we have different ways of getting there and whatever, but, and, and some of us are more dependent on others than, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Um, do you want to go over some like Dreamforce, some of the announcements? I, I, I was trying to take notes and then I was just, at some point you realize that you, all you're hearing is stories and platitudes and there's like, I'm trying to write down actual things. Yep. And it, I just found myself, it was very frustrating. I tried that one year because it was, I was, I think I was, I was intending to live blog at one point. And I, I thought, well, let me just write the article live and then post it as a kind of tester because I wasn't sure how good I'd be at live blogging. And yeah, it was exactly that, that reaction. I started typing and then I got to the point where I was like, I'm getting nowhere with this. This is not interesting for anyone to read after the fact. Yeah. Um, well, one of the big announcements was that, um, well, I'll just put here, Slack has now added WebEx 2005 features. So, um, you can is it, you can share your, so when you're in a huddle, you can now share your video and your screen, I think. And there's a, a, a little white, a little dry annotate markup tools or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, that's, that's yeah. cool, I guess. I mean, do we not need Zoom anymore? That would, I guess we do because Slack is such an internal thing. I mean, I don't know. You know, if you could schedule, I mean, how how far away from replacing Zoom? If you need to be able to schedule meetings, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, Zoom does guest have access a, and stuff. I guess, yeah, I guess stuff. And Zoom does have a lot of. I mean, any of these conference things have a lot of features that are just around scheduling and participation and all that stuff. That yeah, I don't think I don't think Slack quite wants to go there. Slack also is it Slack that added? Um, yeah, yeah. For so you can basically have like a static web page attached to each channel, which is a, apparently a huge deal. Is that Can- the canvas? canvas yeah. yeah. <laughs> how many things are we going to call canvas? Now, I, 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 it's like can- it's like the word one. You yeah. know how everything was like one. Yeah, yeah. Like Salesforce or, or li- one or, or world lightning. one or how about lightning. Lightning one. 
Now it's canvas. Oh, there, we, there was an Apex canvas thing. Well, it still exists, right? Yeah. The, the Visual Force canvas or whatever. Yeah, you something can, like that. It's, it's, it has something to do with um, embedding embedding in like a like a third party something like site that, or yeah. something like that. Um, and that still exists. That's still a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So now we have two canvases. We'd have yeah. to, I guess you could call it a Salesforce canvas and Slack canvas. The other one probably doesn't work with it's. I haven't used that. It's probably a classic thing now. Yeah, it might be. I, I'm just going to have, I don't think I've used it in years, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, but no that, I do think Slack canvas, even though it's just a static web page attached to your channel, I do feel that I do feel like, um, that is kind of useful though, to have just some static information about the channel that, so that it's almost like a, an enhanced sticky topic or something. Yeah. We Except can put our sticker information there. We can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have, I wrote down external encryption, external encryption. What was that? External encryption. Hmm. I'll have to look that one up. I wonder if I can Google it real quick. External encryption. It shows how much you learned while you were there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? Was it? Was there that much beer? No, there was. <laughs> it, it looked. I remember thinking it was pretty cool. I don't know. I'll have, I'll have to come back to that one when I find out. Um, there's a <laughs> again. Ah, Salesforce now has a mobile simulator. So when you're developing, I guess on whatever they're calling the Salesforce mobile kind of SDK now, there's um. So we have a new one of those now? I guess. I haven't developed a Salesforce mobile app in at least two or three years, so I'm behind on that. But I thought it was dead. Oh, I don't think so. Oh. It sounded like, it looks like it, the, the, I don't know if this is a keynote or if I just kind of walked by a session, but what I saw looked like a lot better than the last time I looked at the mobile SDK. So apparently mm-hmm. they're, they're doing a lot of work on that. I mean, I'd be interested in, getting more into it because i think there's some value there for our customers but yeah last i heard it was it was at least last i looked and that was a couple years ago it was it hadn't made any progress at all it was just stagnant um and the next thing i have on here um this actually i i was thinking back when was the last time i was at dreamforce 2019 maybe um is when they announced Salesforce, I think it was this, Salesforce 360. Mm-hmm. And that was basically a way, because Salesforce, you know, that by that time had, you know, has this massive problem that they, they bought all these, built or bought all these different products and platforms, but they need the perception that it's one platform kind of in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And so Salesforce 360 was this way, it was going to create identity across like for, for all, for your different entities, like, so your accounts and your contacts, whatever, across all these different clouds and do some kind of integration so that, you know, your account XYZ in sales cloud, you know, you knew it was the same account XYZ that's in marketing cloud. There was some kind of platform wide kind of identifier slash integration. Right. And when they start announcing Genie, once we got all past all the, it's just magic and all the cute stuff and the bunny ears and Mark bunny off and all this other crap. Um, it starts sounding to me just like, I'm like, well, wait a minute. This is what I thought I heard four years ago, three years ago mm-hmm. that I feel like never came to fruition either that or just, it's not available to anything other than like massive enterprise clients or something like that, that I don't get to see. Um, or it's just the same thing or it's something different. So I think, so conceptually at a high level, if you listen to someone describe these two things, they kind of sound like the same thing, but I think, so Genie is, seems to be all about the CDP and, I, and you clearly tell the stream for us that, that the strategy that Salesforce has identified that CDP is, is an area that probably has the most capability for growth right now. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, 
of CDP was everywhere at Dreamforce. That was the that was the theme. And Genie is seems to, you know Genie's like okay one of the it's like okay buy all of our clouds including the CDP and Genie will be this thing that inter- that actually kind of integrates across these things. Um, it's and it looks I mean when I I heard I don't know if it was one of the product the Genie product manager or the CDP product manager someone was kind of was passing by and I I was hearing a pretty interesting description about. How you know, like the real time eventing they're doing, and I, and I'm curious. I'm curious to know if it runs on Salesforce. So Salesforce has a new like service bus or event bus. It's what PubSub the the new PubSub is built on. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know if like Genie kind of runs on that. But it's essentially what it sounds like to me is each of these clouds, when when there's any kind of data changes or events, you know, it produces these kind of real time events. Now they are extra transactional, which that always creates problems. Yeah. You know? Um. But you know, there's wasted. There's ways to deal with that. But, um, but yeah. So th- you know, these events fire, and then all these other clouds, you know, are subscribing to these events, and then can can if what depending on what 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 the data change wants or whatever it was, you know, update that that cloud can you know, these different clouds can keep themselves updated by listening to all these events. So kind of cool. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, it's solving a problem that kind of Salesforce created by having all these different platforms that they bought and didn't really integrate or consolidate. Um. Yeah. So, but and that's the norm. But it's something that needs to be solved. Yeah. I think you know, especially you know, bigger, um, bigger organizations that have a lot of different, several different Salesforce products, you know, have this problem. Yeah. So that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, it's kind of you know, there's something real there. There's a lot of marketing and magic dust being sprinkled all over the place, but there, there's something there. Um, I just wish I knew more about it. But, I don't it still know. seems only, yeah. I, yeah, I guess I would want, want to know more. It, it still seems something that's very targeted towards towards a marketing perspective. Like I don't, I don't know that it's trying to solve any kind of integration type issues, like in identifying people. It's probably more of a how do I match this person that hit my website with with one of our accounts type thing. I mean, I think that's part of it, but it's, I don't know. It sounds like it's more than that to me. Um, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. And they, I think they had, you know, they had. I think they had sessions on it. It's just one of those things like, I'm not even going to try to get into those sessions. It's just, I'm, I'm, I got to the point where I'm looking for like, a, I'm just looking at the schedule going, okay, what is probably the least popular session here? That's when I'll try to get into because I probably <laughs> might have seats. Just so you can have a place to sit? Uh, yeah, I can actually get in. Yeah, I'm an old man. I need to sit down, you know. What else? Um, uh, digital transformation and business value. I don't know what that is. Um, hmm. yeah, I don't know what else. I mean, what it, I mean, those are only, I mean, aside from like the passing comment of 360 versus Gene, Genie, I keep wanting to say genius. So I don't know why I want to say genius, but Genie, um, and the Slack canvas, that was the only big things I ever heard about. And that just, it didn't seem like anything that was too relevant to what I, I was willing to, to listen to. Yeah, I'm kind of looking for, I don't know, like some kind of recap. Let's see. Notable news. Um, this is from SFDC99. I feel like I know that guy. Is that David Liu? No, David someone? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, the transition from Mark Benioff to Brett Taylor. Yeah. I mean, just that, we, you know, I feel like we turned another page in that, in that book. Uh, yeah. China's surprising prominence in Dreamforce. Really? Wow, that's that's interesting. 
Oh yeah, there's all these screenshots of all this Chinese stuff. Yeah. Well, welcome to welcome to the new world. Salesforce Genie, the key, keynote announcement of real time data across all clouds. Um, DevOps Center. Oh, Scale Center. Scale Center. That's the tree knob, isn't it? <laughs> um, this was interesting. Did you see this? No. So it somehow, yeah, it gets give it, it gives you insight into performance of your orgs and different pods and all that stuff. Uh, and you can do like performance testing. Really, if I because it's like kind of lifting the veil on some on data that they didn't share with customers before. We'll have to drill into that more. Let's put a note on that. Um, scale center. Everything's something center now. That's that's the new... Centers? It's <laughs> the new name, <laughs> nomenclature, the naming thing. How do I just do bullets in Apple Notes, by the way? Oh, I got to talk about Apple Notes, speaking of that. They need to just do an asterisk, right? Space? Maybe you can. Let's see. Ah, oh, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> I'm loving Notes. Well, I'm going to get to that in a second. I've been using it, too. Um... What is well architected? Salesforce well architected. I need to. I need to read this. Shows you what health looks like and where to spend your time roadmapping and. Des- yeah, this I I saw this earlier. I'm glad that's. Thank you for pointing that. Out. I got to make a note of that. This well architected. We'll put that in the show notes. I think it's just about architecting on this monstrosity of a heterogeneous system ecosystem of clouds. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's just job security, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, all right. Well, any other Dreamforce stuff? I do. I have a. I have a parting question for you. As soon as we're leaving, when we're ready to leave this topic, what was the general vibe like? <clears throat> I mean, did you did you notice that there was a cap? There was less people, or it just seemed just as crowded it as always. Seemed pretty f- like normal Dreamforce. Yeah, they didn't have as many venues open, okay. so there were definitely fewer people. I mean, I, you can't. You couldn't. Here's what I'm saying. You couldn't tell there were fewer people because. While there were probably half of the people that were there in 2019, 2020, whatever, whenever was the last big one, um, they didn't have near as many venues. So they still, they had Moscone West, South, and I guess North, but they didn't have near as many hotel venues. I mean, they used to just all the hotels where, you know, one of them would be yeah. for like ISVs, one would be focused on education, one would be focused on nonprofit. And they, they just didn't. So the, all that stuff was con- just consolidated into like the Moscones pretty much. Okay. So it felt think, as crowded as normal. Do you think that worked in favor or against having all those different, say, clouds all together? I don't know if I understand your question. I heard some people say that because things were so combined oh, that it was really confusing to kind of focus on what you were interested in. So, like, if you're mm-hmm. interested in .org stuff, it was kind of difficult to navigate that. Yeah, and some of these, some of these, like, some of these things didn't have the the, the presence. Like, some of these different departments and Salesforce stuff, I, I'm, I can tell you, did not have the presence they would have liked. Hmm. Just, I probably wasn't right. The real estate? You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because in the past, you know, when at full Dreamforce, like I said, if you're just interested in, you know, higher ed, I mean, there's a certain hotel you can, or, you know, part of Moscone South or wherever, right? You can just kind of just camp hang out. out at, camp yeah. out at, pretty much, yeah. And there was, they did, there was a lot of that. Um, most of the developer stuff still in West, like a lot of the, I'm trying to think of what was in South. Um, was it nonprofit or high, or, ed, or maybe ed of some sort was kind of consolidated in, in South. Okay. So there was still, you know, 
there's still some of that, but, but yeah, they, they, they had you cramped in just as much as in the past. So it felt as crowded as before. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's my question. What percentage of San Francisco's conference revenue does Dreamforce represent? 80. I honestly wish I would have done this as a poll in Slack. Uh-huh. Is that, was I right? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I feel like this is this is one of those things also we've got these like political polling and that they do that shows how just how really people have just such warped perceptions of things based on really mainly like media and messaging and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um ten percent. Oh wow. Which is I mean, still huge chunk. I mean yeah. there's tons of San Francisco's nonstop conferences all year round, so I'm, sure, because they're you know weather's pretty good all year round, and why not? You know, I mean, judging by the complaints, Salesforce is the only one that shuts down a whole block, though. Salesforce is the, the Dreamforce is the biggest conference in San Francisco, as far as I know. But it's still you know, it's three days out of the year, so a lot of yeah. a lot of time for other conferences. That's true. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't have much other, but I do want to talk about a couple things. One. I bought the AirPods Pro second edition, whatever it's called. Oh, that was worth it. Um, I think so. So I didn't have the I didn't have the pros. I've been as I waited. Remember, I waited for like years for a new Apple TV to come out, and it finally did. So I, I bought one. Um, I've been wanting. Come on, Jeremy, just get a new Apple TV, as you told me when I was complaining about my phone. I've been wanting you. Okay, you have your phone as old as Methuselah. It get a new phone, works. John. It still works. You know what? I have a I have a Motorola flip phone that still works, but. <laughs> It's not practical. Battery dies instantly. Yeah, I'm getting there. But yeah. still. Come on. I'm trying to hold on. Wow. Are you I think feel like you're just this trying is, to this is five I feel years. like you're trying to just like my, my break pr- records or make a point or something. I don't know. I just I enjoy having tech for a while. You're like a hipster. I don't like you're too hipster, John. I'm trying to save the environment, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yes. I can't turn the tree knob. Yeah. I can't afford to turn the tree knobs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um, but now they're, I, so I've been wanting AirPods for a long time, but I just, I, they've always, like, if you look at the Mac buyers guy, it's always been like, eh, I might want to wait, but it's been like that for like a year at least. And yeah, maybe more than a year. So I've been waiting. I've been waiting because I really only need like noise canceling, noise blocking headphones. Like, really, when I'm on airplanes, but I've been mm-hmm. flying more and, I have this really old pair of Atomotic. They're so busted. The both the earbuds are busted. So like they, you should see the way I have to jam them in my ears. But they still, they still have like these. I have these third party tips, foam tips that are mm-hmm. really great. I mean, they block sound great. But I'm just so sick of having to pull those out. And they're they're corded. So when I'm watching TV or movie or whatever on on my phone on the airplane, I can't charge. Oh yeah, because I'm plugged into the lightning port. Yeah. So yeah, I've just been. Did these come out before Dreamforce or after Dreamforce? Or did you get these before Dreamforce? I just bought them like two days oh, okay. ago. So okay. yeah, I've had them for a day now. I was gonna be curious about the plane thing because planes are loud, and even the earbuds don't block enough of that. I've been told that the AirPods, even the first gen ones, work really well. The noise canceling, and I'm I'm already super impressed with the noise canceling on these. I know for sure the first generation doesn't because it doesn't have noise canceling, so it's still of, of air of AirPods. Yeah. The first generation AirPods don't have noise canceling well, so is, on a plane. What this is called the second generation of Pros. Yeah, but the first generation of Pros had noise canceling. It does, but okay. I, I don't think it was enough. I think oh. I'm trying to remember if I've been on a plane since I've had the Pros, but I know the first generation people, AirPods 
was oh. was horrible. Okay, okay. Not, it's not horrible. It is what it is. It just yeah. you couldn't get it loud enough to counteract the, oh. the plane. No, this is this is pretty good. Um, what was I doing? It was a good test. I think I was like blow drying my hair or something, and it was. I mean, you could hard, or I had the shower running. Also, getting waiting for the shower to warm up is pretty shower loud. running, blow drying your hair. Okay, but I mean, it just that's an image. Block those really well. Or well, I honestly, also when I'm walking in the building here because we're right at the tollway, that traffic is super oh, yeah. loud. Yeah, um, it's pretty darn good. And ours, it's also you can tell there's like some kind of AI or machine learning or some bullshit going on because I think it tries to if it's a safe sound to filter out. I think it will, it, you can feel it getting more aggressive on the, on the canceling of that sound. But I think if like someone were to come up and yell at you, or like a sudden thing, or like a car came up real quick or honk, I think it tries to let that through more. Mm. Like for safe, like safety th- things. That, that'd be, that's, I'm not sure about that, yeah. but I, I feel like I've been sensing that happening. How do you like, uh, if, if you've tried it, how do you like spatial audio? I have not tried it yet. It's weird. Spatial audio. So it's my, weird. my other AirPods did spatial audio. Um, this is supposedly this the, the airpods pro the pro does a better has job better yeah. especially supposedly but to me that's that's just a gimmick i don't i don't know i mean i guess if you're watching um, a movie and it's got surround sound does it does it do that can it simulate surround sound because the only thing i can tell with my it's kind of cool but when i have special let's say this is my phone and i'm watching something if i turn my head like this i just hear it out of my right ear now yeah and if, uh, is that all it does is that all it is that that's that's been my experience <laughs> is it attempts to kind of create this the surround of sound and as you move your head you're getting different angles of that sound now if it can map like dolby and, and atmos and things like that to to spatial audio so that you know it feels like there's things you know above you and behind you and all that stuff now that that's that's cool yeah that's all psychoacoustics that's that's all that's a that's an interesting field yeah i well, maybe they're working their way towards that but yeah. yeah i didn't find much of a lot of value in that i mean it 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 didn't sound any better to me. Of course, I've got old man ears, but it didn't sound any different to me other than than it was more aware of where my head was turned. Can we publish our podcast in, in Dolby Atmos uh, so that people can listen in uh, special audio mode? That's a, that. No, we can't because uh, <laughs> it would take us over the 100 meg limit. It would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My next thing is I finally, and I... Gosh, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. It ended up being way easier than I thought. And I can I migrated from Evernote to Notes. Notes has just gotten so good. It started out as such a basic app that was not even close to good enough, and it's so good now. Um but Evernote has just been on such a sad decline. It performs poorly. Uh-huh. It's they've they've just done terrible things to the user experience to try to increase revenue. I already pay them 60 bucks a year for a dumb note app, and it's just like it's but it's not enough. And it just is a disaster. I really, and I hate to say that. I mean, I'm a long time Evernote user, 15 years, something like that. Maybe. I don't know how long it's been around, but I mean, a long time and it's just gotten so bad and notes has gotten so much better. Um, It's got so many great features. It does really everything that Evernote. I mean, one thing that Evernote did early on that was great was when you would take photos of things, it would kind of OCR them. And then, so you could search Mm-hmm. When you search your notes, it would include things that were in images. That, it, but you know, note app. So when I say notes, I think everyone knows it's talking about Apple Notes or Mac Notes. I don't know what it's called. Think, just yeah, notes. it's just the notes, notes. app. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also noticed uh, one thing that Evernote has, like if you and it's, but again, this feature has gotten worse over time. It's weird. 
But when you scan like a piece of paper, it like it knows it's a piece of paper. You can say, hey, this is a document and it and it crops it. And then also does like a contrast thing and kind of does some filtering. So it just you get a almost looks like you ran it through a copy machine, a really nice image of, of the of a piece of paper or a receipt or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but I was actually getting something notarized the other day at the UPS store. And that when I was done, the guy was like, Oh, do you want to do you want to copy this? He's like, I was like, Yeah, he's like, let me show you something. You open up the notes app. And he said, You start a note and you did do the and it's camera thing is way better than Evernote's what it, the, its options for. <laughs> and it we did a great job and just puts it right in as a PDF and it's immediately searchable as well. But yeah, the syncing is so far has been great. The actual import was great. So you can export your Evernote as like some kind of Evernote export file. It's XML, mm-hmm. but notes imports that they added Evernote import a long time ago, apparently to, to notes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've started using it little by little for, for little things. And, but I've, I've considered, cause I'm using like an app called bear right now and I do pay a subscription for it. But yeah, I'm thinking about, just going straight notes. It's gotten really good it, and I did for the things I use it for. It's just so clean. It's exactly the experience I want. It's super fast. It it's integrate. I don't I need to get I need to train myself on this. I don't know. I haven't done it yet, but I know it integrates with Siri really well. And like what are these actions or whatever they're called? Mm-hmm. You can say like, you know, add the this shortcuts. To, yeah, yeah, shortcuts, thank you. Um it's just I mean, there's some things it doesn't do, like um, well, like the import, for example, doesn't import Evernote tags, which I know I realize for some people that's a huge problem. For me, the only tags that were critically important, I, I didn't have that many notes since so I was able just to kind of manually. I mean, notes does do tags. It just mm-hmm. won't import them from Evernote because yeah. the model is different. So in, in Apple Notes, you can literally just, you do a hashtag and put your tag anywhere in the note, in the title, anywhere in the note. But you can't apply a tag just to overall to a note. It's weird. But you can search by, you can search and organize by tags, no matter where you put them in the note. Yeah, in notes, and you can also create smart folders. Yeah, based on it, yep. based on a tag or multiple tags or whatever. It's I think it's really slick. I'm very happy with this app so far. I know there are. It's very interesting because I, you know, I'm reading the re- the reddits and stuff about everyone, you know, converting from Evernote to Notes, and some people do have legitimate use cases, uh, reasons why they really when Notes is not up to par for them. I'm just lucky that it does everything I needed to do. Apparently, so yeah. from what I can tell, yeah. Hmm. Well, John, what else? Oh, GraphQL. We didn't mention that. I, I, have you used the GraphQL? Are you excited uh, about the GraphQL API that Salesforce has? I don't. I don't do a lot of that stuff, so not really. GraphQL is. Um, I remember when I first started using GraphQL, I immediately thought, "Oh, I sell Salesforce has got to do this. They've got to, you know, implement a GraphQL." Um, and now I'm just like, yeah, I'm not sure. I, Need it that much? Um, it does. I'm trying to think of why I thought that Graph Salesforce needed GraphQL so bad. It's really it's really good for um, web if you have browser based apps that mm-hmm. are needing to do complex queries and and pull down gra- gra- graphs of objects. Yeah. It I mean, just you know the downside of GraphQL is it's really complex. It's really hard to implement. So you know, assuming it works well, and get, I mean, another non surprising, but another another kudos to the Salesforce's API teams. They do a great job. Um, GraphQL is not easy to implement; very complex. But as a user of GraphQL, I mean, it's actually complex from a user perspective as well. But it's incredibly powerful when you need to when you need it. Yeah, it's almost what, weren't they integrating it with Apex? Is that, is that what? I- did I hear something like that? I don't that? know. Maybe, maybe so. If so, that, that'd be I could be wrong. 
I, I remember saying something about GraphQL and I kind of scanned over. I thought it said something about Apex, but I mean, even then, I'm not sure exactly what I would use it for, except maybe, no, not even that. I can't even do, I don't know how well it is at aggregations, but some of the aggregations I do probably wouldn't be accomplishable. Mm. Yeah, because GraphQL does also define like aggregations and stuff, so I'm not sure. Um, oh, another thing that is relevant to probably our world quite a bit is they've increased the limit on SQL of like the parent to child queries. It was one. Now it's five, just like child to parent. Parent to child. So like, let's say you do, um, you know, select from account, but including that you do the parentheses, select something from contacts. So you can pull in all the contacts yeah. records into that account record. Well, you can now go like to inside the contact. Oh, subquery. You can do five levels in deep. The five levels deep. Yeah, which is dangerous. It's dangerous, but that's something. <laughs> that's something I've always needed. Like, I need that second level. No, what I really need is I need inner. I need uh, self joins. That's what I need. And you know, account what? where where in account this yep. is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. We still need, yeah, we still need ar- basically arbitrary joins. Like, yeah, I want to join, is, yeah, you could. I never that. got my inner outer join syntax straight in my mind. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, like, like well, self-join is a great example. Like, you just an arbitrary join of accounts to accounts. Yeah. Um, or an arbitrary join of accounts to, you know, an accounts to contacts where account billing city equals the contact mailing city. That That's kind of things, so stuff like that you would might want to do, and yeah. you just can't do that. Uh, the other thing that I, really blows my mind you can't do is, um, how would you do a query to, to, to show where uh, any accounts where billing city is equal to shipping city? Not out of the box, yeah. You, at all. You can't at all, and to my knowledge, right? Oh, yeah, you can't because you can't self. Yeah, you just you have can't. to query all accounts, and then, I mean, it's really weird that <laughs> That in like those kind of conditionals that yeah. you can't, you can't, um, the right hand side, the, the, of the, of the operator, or I guess one of the, one of the sides, uh, you, both sides of the operator cannot be uh, like a field, like a field. Yeah. One of them has to be a literal. Yeah. They really have to fix that. Like, and this is one of the things that's like, come on. Just guys. just basic like, joining, <laughs> joining syntax would be, yeah. would be fine. That's that's harder because because SQL is more. Sub, of, I'm not a fan of subqueries. I'm more a fan of the joining syntax than I am subquery syntax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially considering that under the hood, most databases nowadays they'll optimize it to one of the, like they'll turn they'll take all your queries and flatten them into or you, they'll take your subqueries and kind of flatten them into joins. Anyway, if you look at like explain or what or you know, query optimizers things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, GraphQL is cool, and also you know the. The parent to child limit being increased. That's that will be useful for me at some point. Which actually reminds me, I need to. I'm wondering now if I need to update the Salesforce connector, Camel Salesforce connector, and all for that. I don't think I do, but I'm going to slowly be replacing the streaming API. So the Salesforce connector for Camel uses the streaming API for. Uh, Push topics, change data capture, um, custom events. Um, what's the other one? Um, platform events. So streaming API is how we subscribe to all those things. Um, and I'm gonna, I got, I got to figure out a strategy. I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna add because PubSub is can basically I think replace all those at this point. Mm. 
and I think, you know, you know, the whole Comet D and the Bayo protocol, it served its, we needed it just because at the time the web and what HTTP support and everything, it's like we needed that kind of polling mechanism. It's just, it's kind of, it's complex. It's complex to implement, trust me, because I implemented it on the server side. Um, it, it's, it is, it's not fun. There's a, just a lot of plumbing because mm-hmm. you're dealing with a, you're going over a protocol that doesn't support anything like this. Right. Which is why you have to do long pulling all these hacks and stuff, which is what the Bayo protocol is. Um, PubSub is just so much better. Um, it just, it's going to abstract me from the, the hard problems way better. Um, and I've always wanted to get rid of all the Comet D stuff from the, from Camel, at least from the Salesforce connector, which is going to, the part that I maintain the most. And with PubSub, I think I can start replacing all that, but I think what I'll have to do is just, just for, compatibility and reliability on the stuff. So I'll probably add support for the pub sub API to replace all those things and let users opt in. Like they can choose. Like it'll probably just default. It'll continue to, to default to the, the streaming API. And at some point <clears throat> at a future release, I'll have it default to the pub sub API and I'll deprecate the streaming API. And then we'll give them several more releases that in, you know, after the deprecation warning all right. to then, you need to test your integrations with the PubSub API. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, give them some time to do that, but I'm trying to move forward. Right? Uh, yeah. It's not, you know, it's going to be time to move <laughs> forward. And, and the whole idea is to get rid of this thing and to, and to not have it uh, be a bunch of code that I love deleting code. You know, it's like the less, the fear stuff that it takes to get the job done, the better. Cause it's all I, just a liability. Right? I think maintenance the world security. Is, I think the world is too dependent on backwards compatibility. I think we should all, Maybe that's why you, maybe the, that's why you were attracted to the Apple world too, because Apple yeah. is just not near as into that as other platforms. Yeah, let's fire and forget. Let's move forward. And if if it's if it's that old and no one knows how to maintain it, that's not a reason to, to stick around and maintain backwards compatibility for something. It's time to rebuild it or move forward or get rid of it. I know that's easy to say, but because yeah. there's money involved, but there are plenty of Windows XP machines still out there running running the world. Yep. <laughs> But, I mean, the web is in a much better place. The hope for the web is is much better for the fact that we've got browsers that auto-update. That's very true, yeah. Yep. Thanks for Chrome for starting that trend. Yeah. I mean, not, I'm, I'm more susceptible to implementing some of these new, not edge, but relatively edge case features and use them. Than I would if if I had to maintain IE compatibility right. or something. Because now, if you're using you know a three version old browser, which granted is probably only what, a couple months old, or what, I yeah. think, but um, that's just such, such a security problem nowadays. It is. Yeah. Like I don't know about Chrome because I don't use it anymore, but Brave. I mean, it's got this little little say. Hey, there's an update. It starts out in green, unless it's a critical update or whatever security. Then it'll be red immediately. But it usually starts out at green, and then like if I don't if I let it go a couple of days, it changes to yellow. And then a couple more days, it changes to red. <laughs> You're not supposed to see the red. I know. <laughs> Maybe the yellow. It's just a little little reminder. But like I said, I think if it's a, sec- a critical security thing, it'll just start out as red. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no that that is that is a very nice thing that these pretty much all you know desktop and mobile platforms are in a in a model now where the browsers are staying really up to date. Yeah. We should wrap up because we have to go. I have to go make sure I can oh, say yeah. bye to the yeah. our receptionist who's, who's leaving us. Anyway, um, 
the meetup was great. I, th- you know, I think like 30 or 35 people or 40 people were signed up. I don't know how many people actually showed up. I, I do feel like a cross. This is Salesforce. You don't have to say how many actually showed up. <laughs> yeah. Come up with a number. A million, it was, a million people uh, showed up. No, it was a, it was 250. Okay. Uh, yeah. There you thanks. Go. Thanks all 250. Who came up, showed up to our event. No, it was, it was, it was good. 250 developers, right? Yeah. Um, but no, it was good. Um, got to, got to catch up with a lot of old friends and, and you know, finally got to meet some some faces I'd seen in avatars for a long time, and <laughs> some I had had never seen and never met. So that was that was cool. Um, it was fun. It was fun. And thanks to Jan Julian for organizing all that. That was that was very nice. Yeah, it worked out really well. Okay. Uh, but other than that, yeah, we I've got um, I do have a few sticker requests on the list, so I'll I'll get another batch out soon. So everyone listening, if you don't have stickers, please please send in your requests. I can send them anywhere. Info at gooddayserpodcast dot com. Just send me your address and how many stickers you want, and I will get those sent off anywhere in the world. I haven't tried. Where, where have we not shipped? We have not shipped to Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've shipped to Russia. I've shipped to. I don't know if we shipped to China or not. Um, all over Europe. Um, really, all, a lot of kind of uh, South, uh, a lot of Australia, New Zealand, South America, North America, all over Western Europe. So if you're in Antarctica at like what Fort Ross or one of these places, whatever, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to try it out and see. I'd hate to see how many stamps it's going to take, but. <laughs> <laughs> Surely that's subsidized by the federal government, though, since that's pretty much all government stuff down there. Yeah. Anyway, um, other than that, thanks for listening. Share us with your friends and your enemies. Um, everyone, please, if you're not in our Slack, um, you should come check it out. It's a it's a very helpful, uh, nice community. And that is uh, at www.gooddaysirpodcast.com. You just click on community. It's we, we, we do it in Slack, so you will be added to our Slack team. Yeah. What else, John? What am I forgetting? That's it. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.